I don't know about you, but I've been, um, the whole time we've been in worship together and stuff, I've been, been reflecting on a couple of hundred people at one time coming to say yes to Jesus. I love that. I think that's something really worth celebrating. I'm so excited that we get to be a uh, part of a group, uh, part of a church family that gets to walk with uh, through that together. So that's, uh, I'm really encouraged by that. I love it. We should celebrate that a lot. Uh, we're coming this morning, we're winding down our series in the book of First John. As we come to chapter 5, we'll be uh, talking our way through that and looking at those passages. But I'm reminded at the outset of something that, uh, that John recorded Jesus saying uh, in the Gospel of John, which is where John tells the story of Jesus' life. And in, in that story, John, uh, he records Jesus saying these words. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And like that's like good news, bad news, right? The bad news, there's going to be trouble, but the good news is, you know, take heart, I've overcome the world. But it is difficult at times to, to be a Christian in this world, right? And sometimes, probably rarely for most of us, but sometimes that's because you can be persecuted or misunderstood simply for being a Christian, and people can take out some of their uh, feelings on you. That's maybe a little bit rare. But even outside of that, just the fact that we live in a fallen world, right? The fact that this is a world where sin has taken up a foothold, and, and that foothold has some consequences. And because of sin, there are things like injustice and sickness and evil and crime and disease. All of these things are a part of this sin-filled world that we live in. And that can make things difficult. Uh, and then kind of layer on top of that, if you will, there's, just, um, there's that internal part. That as a follower of Jesus, I'm, I'm asking him by God, the power of God's spirit to make me day by day more and more like Jesus. So as I'm following Jesus, I'm trying to become less and less like the person that I was, more and more like the person God's calling me to do. And that requires some work. It's hard. It means, um, it means laying aside some things. It means laying aside my pride. It means laying aside maybe some habits or some things that would hold me back. It, would be, it means looking honestly and directly like at things like flaws and weaknesses in my character and saying, God, I'm going to allow you to work on that with me, right? And, and those things can be difficult. And then on top of all that, you know, the Apostle Paul writes and he tells us that, um, that we live in a world that's marked with some spirit, real spiritual warfare, that we wrestle not just against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, uh, and that there is a real devil and he has real destruction in mind for us. And so that's going on as well. So you get the sense it can be hard work being a follower of Jesus in this world. It's difficult to overcome all of those forces. But God doesn't ask us to shrink away, and he doesn't ask us to kind of back off and tiptoe around. If anything, he asks us to engage in the battle, to embrace the difficulty and some of the, the hard times, to, to dive in on a, in a full frontal assault on some of the difficulties that face us. Now, as we finish our series in chapter 5, here we come to where this chapter where John's actually writing about some of the tools that God has given us to help us overcome all of these things to help us to overcome. Within this chapter, we're going to see that John actually lays out three in particular, three weapons for our warfare, three tools to use as we grow in overcoming the hardships of this world as followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to dive in in verse 4, where he writes, For everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. 
Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, that actually is pretty straight ahead. The person who believes that Jesus is the only Son of God. But, um, and so we recognize that faith is what produces victory in overcoming the world. We want to be victorious, right? We want to be overcomers. We want to win in the battle against all of these things. Well, John writes and he says, well, faith is the key to that victory. Faith is the key to that victory. And here we got to clarify something because sometimes we hear the word faith, but what we understand is the word belief. Okay, and faith and belief are two very different things, right? Belief is, it's in my, it, belief is cognitive. It's something, I come to the conclusion about something, and I have a belief, right? I believe that something is true. Um, but belief by itself, we find, even in the words of Scripture, is not enough, right? James wrote that it, you believe that there is one God, that's good, but even the demons believe that, and they shudder, they tremble. That is, if you, could, if you could somehow get a demon to tell the truth about what he thought was true about Jesus, he would tell you that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, the Savior of the world. Right? He, he would believe that that was true. He would have the right answer in his brain. But there's, but there's a step beyond that that a demon, or maybe even what we would call an unbeliever, hasn't taken. It's one thing to acknowledge that it's true. It's another to entrust yourself to it and give yourself to it, to place your faith in it that way, right? Um, you remember when we uh, met over at the theater on Lions there, and once a year that kind of creepy carnival would come around? And like in, in about 35 minutes, they'd put together all of these rides and ask, a, you know, put them all together with these rides that would go 45 miles around in circles on rickety tracks, and they say, here, put your kids in. They're going to have a great time, right? Now, here's the thing. Theoretically, you could show me like, all the diagrams of how these things are built. You, should, you could show me the safety codes. You could show me the maintenance records. You could show me the background checks on all the workers and everything else. And you could probably get me in my brain to believe that that was safe, right? But are you going to get me on that ride or my kids? Absolutely not. I would say I believe it's safe, but there is no way on God's green earth that I have any faith in what's taken place there. I'm staying far, far away. And we live in a culture where it's pretty safe to say, actually pretty, um, pretty popular to say, I believe in God, or even I believe in Jesus Christ. But it's really important that as we talk to others and as we talk within ourselves, that we answer the question, what do we mean by that? Do we mean simply that we agree that it's true, that we agree that there's a God that exists, that I believe that there was a guy named Jesus and he did some stuff and it was all pretty cool? Well, there's a step beyond that that John writes is, uh, is actually uh, the key to victory in overcoming, and that's the step of faith. Paul wrote, we are saved by grace through faith, by not just agreeing that it's true, but by giving ourselves to it, by entrusting ourselves to it, right? Exactly. Okay. Um, faith is what's left when we come to the end of our understanding, Right? So it's one thing to be able to say, yeah, someone explained the gospel to me and they explained who Jesus was, and I, I think I understand that. That's belief. But there, comes the, there come these times where our understanding's not enough, where maybe these things that I'm fighting against, these hardships that I'm trying to overcome, these strongholds that I'm trying to get past, I can't. 
and I'm not having success. And I thought God was going to do something about that, and he didn't. And I can't understand why he's not. And I'm having trouble believing that it's true. And actually, when you walk me through the logic of it all, I'm, I'm coming up short. It's not getting there. That's where faith kicks in. And that faith is a gift from God and a gift that we embrace. The key to overcoming is not just understanding better and learning more. The faith that is the key to our victory is about entrusting ourselves and behaving as if what God has said is true. So it is faith which is a key to victory in overcoming the world. Uh, here's another one. Uh, the second kind of tool in the, in the toolbox that John gives us. The second weapon in the arsenal to overcome. He writes, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son, does the Son of God, does not have life. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about our testimony. He's talking about our testimony and that my testimony is a part of what overcomes the world. There's faith. I place my faith in Jesus Christ. But then there's my testimony, my declaration that God is in me and that he's given me eternal life and that that life is in his son. There's that declaration. And and frankly, we've seen a piece of that here in the testimony of these who are being baptized this morning. What is a testimony? It's my statement that I have Jesus, that I have life. It's the story of how I came to faith in Jesus. It's the story even of how God is at work in you and in me right now. That's our testimony. The story of how you came to the point where you were ready to say, like those being baptized earlier, it's no longer my story. From this point forward, my identity, the meaning of my life are to be found in the grand redemption story that God is telling. And I'm no longer writing my own story. God's the author. I'm just the character available for him to use as he see fits in the all-encompassing story of his love. Now, the particular story and the details and the facts and the features of how you got there and how somebody else got there, they're going to be different for each person, right? But what makes a, power, what makes a testimony powerful, it's not the details of how you got there, but it's the fact that you got there. And the fact that when you did get there, Jesus was there waiting to meet you when you arrived. And that's really important because sometimes we get this sense where our testimony is concerned. Um, uh, and where the story of how it is that we came to faith, we get this sense that, man, if, if it's really cool if I've got this really dramatic story. And if there's this just overarching, incredible life change that nobody would believe. But if I just have a very normal story, if it's just a normal story, if I kind of grew up in a more or less normal family under more or less normal circumstances, but at some point along the way, I came to believe that Christ was real and I entrusted myself to him and I've been walking with him. Sometimes like, oh, that's not dramatic. No tears came to my eye when you told that story. People didn't swoon in the audience and come running up to the front. And we feel like, man, I've got a boring testimony. I've got a loser of a testimony. Right? As if, you know, the only good testimonies are the ones that begin, yeah, I was, I was dying of cancer and I was cooking meth in a Winnebago in the deserts of Albuquerque. <laughs> and then I met Jesus and everything changed, right? Well, those are powerful testimonies to be sure. But here's the deal. The power of your testimony isn't linked to the ugliness of your past. The power of every testimony is linked to the presence of God in your present and the promise of God in your future. That's what makes a testimony powerful. 
So regardless of what came before, whether it was dramatic or incredibly boring, God is present with you and in you now, and he has a promise and a plan for your future that he is living out through you. That's exciting, and that's the power of your testimony. That's the power of the testimony of these baptisms that we've seen. That kind of statement is incredibly powerful. In fact, in the book of the the Revelation, also written by John, um, uh, John sees this vision of kind of this great cosmic eternal battle between good and evil, between God and the devil. And the devil kind of gets images as this dragon who's flying through the sky and wreaking havoc. Uh, But he's overcome and he's thrown down. And in chapter 12, this is what John records. He says, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. That is, the enemy of our soul has been defeated, right? And listen to this. He says that they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and that they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. How does John record that they overcame the enemy, the great dragon, the devil? He says, well, it's the blood of the Lamb. It's all about what Jesus did, to be sure. But along with that, it was the word of their testimony, which is a key piece in their ability to overcome, right? And then followed up thirdly, they didn't shrink back. That is, all that Jesus did, our testimony of what he's doing, and our courage walking forward not to shrink back. Those are the things that allowed them to overcome. Guess what things are going to allow us to overcome? The same things. The blood of Jesus, the word of our testimony, giving voice to what God has and is doing and will do. I want to just say there's, um, there are, many of us often feel um, maybe a little adrift in our Christian life. Like we're just, nothing's getting traction. We know for sure we're not overcoming. In fact, maybe we just feel like we're barely making it day to day. Our Christian life is a struggle, and perhaps overcoming is the very last word that we would ever think to use in describing our spiritual growth. Have you ever been there? I have. I visit from time to time, right? Well, one possible reason for that experience, for not overcoming, is that you've never really given voice to your testimony. Maybe it's because you didn't feel it was that dramatic, or maybe you feel like um, you didn't have the courage to put it out there, but maybe you've just never given voice to your testimony. Maybe your story of coming to faith was kind of timid, if you're honest. There was an invitation, and, and you kind of quietly raised your hand at the back of the room, or... Or maybe you looked around to make sure everyone was closing their eyes and bowing their heads before you slipped your hand up. And when the preacher invited you to pray a prayer, you were so thankful he didn't make you pray it out loud. You just kind of followed along in your, in your mind and said the words on the inside, and it was very private. It was very comfortable. And it wasn't public at all. And look, I'm not disparaging that. That is how many, many people come to faith, and it's legitimate and real. I don't want you to question the reality of that moment at all. But if that significant decision that you made, if that prayer that you prayed, if that entrusting of yourself to Christ in faith is kept private, if it's never acknowledged or given voice or followed up, then you're missing out on the power of your own testimony. You will be hindered from overcoming because you're missing that middle part. So let me just say this. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, but you've not been baptized, I want to just suggest this. It's time. It's time to give a voice to a testimony of what Jesus has, is, and will do in your life. I believe that that there are many who struggle in their Christian walk and who don't seem to make the progress they feel like they ought to be making do so because they've never taken the simple step of going public with their faith 
and proclaiming their testimony. And I'm amazed how frequently that those who take that step and emerge from the waters of baptism find now it's public and now I'm set free to release and to really live out and to overcome the things that are in front of me. So whether you're one of the 200 that got saved at Clyde one night, whether you've been saved in the last six months to a year, or maybe you got saved years and years ago and you've just never been baptized, I want to encourage you. There's another baptism coming. Uh, sign up at the, at the info counter. They can help you to sign up. We'll let you know all the details later. But get signed up. At least let us know that you're interested. And just to be clear, a um, little disclosure notice here. I'm not on commission where baptisms are concerned. <laughs> I get nothing extra from more people going in the water. But I believe in what a testimony, public testimony of faith produces in our ability to overcome. And I want that for you, and I want that for us. Don't hesitate. Don't be ripped off of your ability to overcome. Okay, so there's, there's faith, and then there's our testimony. And these are powerful weapons in our battle to overcome. There's one more I want to touch base on here this morning. John continues, and he writes, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us whatever we ask. We know that we have whatever we ask of him. One of the tools God gives us to overcome in this life is the incredible privilege of prayer. Prayer produces the confidence we need to overcome. Prayer produces that confidence. And it says we, if he, we know that he hears us, we know that uh, we, we have what we ask for. Now, this is interesting to me because, um, I mean, it's snowing out there. I don't know if you noticed Exactly. So there's some folks in our congregation who have a snowplow business, and this is an answer to their prayer. Others of you are like the praying opposition have been praying exactly the opposite. So I'm not exactly sure how all of that works out. But, but prayer is this tool which keeps us connected to God, this communication, this ongoing interaction with who God is and what he's doing that empowers us to overcome. And if we're not praying... We're not overcoming, and we're not growing. In fact, this is so important. Over the next several weeks, this is going to be our next series, a series in prayer. I'd like you to keep on coming back, and we're going we're gonna to investigate prayer a little bit more in depth. Uh, we're going to talk about what it is and how it works and how we can grow in prayer. It's going to be really good, so, so keep coming back. We're going to grow in this important uh, area where we can overcome. Uh, in the meantime, I, I'll just say this, uh, because more will be said in the coming weeks. Prayer is not just bringing our laundry list of needs to God. It's about communicating with God. And we all communicate a little bit differently, right? And, and we all can learn from the ways that other people communicate. So ever since, um, ever since my family went on to an unlimited uh, messaging plan on our cell phone service, my daughter is in constant contact with every one of her friends at all times of the day, right? It doesn't matter if she and I are having a conversation, eating dinner, playing a board game, watching TV. She's right along with about 17 other people just texting away kind of blow by blow, moment by moment, right? Living her life moment by moment with her friends. And this is tough for me because I'm an older guy and we never got to do that. My life as an older guy seems to be lived out in a series of either 15, 30, or 60-minute appointments. And if you want to talk to me, you're going to show up at the designated time, at the designated place, and have a conversation face-to-face without distraction. Don't nod too aggressively. They'll know you're old like me. So keep that to yourself. (laughs) But it's interesting to me. 
I mean, what happens if that becomes my model for communicating with God? I'm going to set up an appointment Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. From 9 to 10 or 10.15, I will be with God. That's my appointment. No need to talk with him anytime else. I'm going to ask you, how effective do you think that prayer life and that communication is going to be? Probably not a lot. I could probably, where prayer is concerned, learn an awful lot from my daughter. What if my communication with God was a lot more like that, that just as I'm going through life in every interaction, no matter what I'm doing and no matter who I'm doing it with, I'm just, God's along with me, and we're talking about it, we're processing it, and we're sharing it together. Man, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to learn. We'll talk about that. That helps us overcome. Now, I think we have some things to, we older people have some things to offer as well. Because you know what? There is something incredibly valuable. Even if we're just kind of checking in with God throughout the day and talking with him about everything, there's also something very, very incredibly important about setting a regular appointment. That in addition to the blow-by-blow, day-by-day, that there are these times that we set aside and say, this is my time with God, no distractions. Whether that's when you wake up in the morning, whether that's before you go down, uh, lay your head on the pillow at night, or wherever it is, a regular time to meet with God, to talk with him, and pray with him in an undistracted manner, that's a big deal too, right? So we all communicate differently. We'll all kind of lean one way or, or the other more than the next person. But we have some things to learn from one another about how to communicate with each other, but importantly about how to communicate with the Lord uh, as well. You know, over the last, um, over the last weeks, we've been, uh, we did the, the series of 90-day challenges, right, on the 90-day uh, Bible reading challenge, the 90-day tithing challenge, the 90-day health challenge that are all out there. Can I just say, as a, as a practical application of today's message, one of the things that we can do is we can just keep practicing applying prayer to whichever challenge or challenges uh, that you're a part of. I've been so encouraged kind of reading some of the emails that have come in with people reflecting on how they've been interacting on the 90-day challenge. And the ones that really uh, catch my attention, I hear people saying all the time, I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing the 90-day health challenge, and it's different than like a diet or a, reg- or a regiment or anything else that I've ever done because I am just, I'm bringing the whole thing to the Lord in prayer, and I'm combining this life of prayer with this challenge that I'm facing, and there are powerful, powerful results. How about this by way of practical application, where, you're, where you're, the word of your testimony is concerned? Obviously, if you've not been baptized, that's a great thing as well. But being baptized is not the only time that we share our testimony, Right? Is it possible that maybe in this week, in the upcoming days, God's going to provide for you an opportunity to share your story such as it is with somebody? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's, maybe it's a family together around a dinner table just talking about where they are and how they got there. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone you just meet kind of randomly on the street. I'm not sure, but I would say this. Keep your eyes and your ears and your spirit ready to go this week because I believe God will give you opportunities to speak out a word of your testimony such as it is. And you know what you're going to find? That as you step out in courage, God meets you and he is causing you to be an overcomer even in the process of doing that. See, there's prayer and then there's testimony. But at the root of it all, it's about faith. A faith that reaches past belief and understanding and a faith that says, I'm entrusting myself to this message of God's forgiveness. And I want to take um, just a moment today to offer you a chance to say yes. Offer you a chance to have this be the day when you said, I'm, I'm taking it past just believing and understanding. I'm placing my faith, I'm entrusting myself and my future and my eternal destiny to Jesus Christ.
you've never done that before, and you want today to be your day, I'd like to pray with you in just a moment. And we'll talk later about baptism and, and, and taking care of all that. But today, it's just about saying yes to God as an expression of faith. And it can be really simple. Would you go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads? Because I am going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And for those who want to, I'm going to invite you to uh, pray in the privacy of your own heart and mind while I pray out loud and to join me in that. But I do, I would love to know who I'm praying with. And I'd love to know what God is doing. So if that's you, and, and this morning, you want to say yes to Jesus Christ. You want to acknowledge um, that it's time to take the, your story and just find it in the story that he's telling. You want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Ask him to forgive you for your sin and to set you free to live forever in eternal life. If that's you today, would you just real simply raise your hand up and then slide it back down, and I will be praying with you and praying for you in just a moment. Yeah, fantastic. Yes, yes. Magnificent. Okay, for those of you who are, who are raising your hands and maybe those of you who are kind of raising your hand in your heart, would you, would you pray uh, in your heart as I pray aloud? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, your Son. Thank you for the gift of your love that was displayed in Him. I believe that He died on the cross and I believe and I have faith that while he was doing that, he was paying the price for my sin and for my wrongdoings. So God, because you tell me I can, I simply ask, would you forgive me for the things that I've done wrong? Would you fix the broken places in my life? Would you set me free from the, the penalty of the sins that I've committed? But God, would you also just set me free from the power that sin has in my life? In the words of scripture, would you adopt me into your family and make me your child this morning? for the sole reason that I come to you in faith and believe what you say. Jesus, I commit to make you Lord in my life, to acknowledge that you're in charge and you're the one telling my story. I relinquish my story to you and ask God that you would make of my life something beautiful, something that brings you glory for eternity. And God, I would ask for your help as I live out this decision to follow Jesus. Would you walk with me? God, would you, as you promised, send your Holy Spirit to live in me so that I can be empowered to live a life that pleases you and to grow in that daily. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. And today I'm proud to be able to say that I am a child, a son of God. In Jesus' name, amen.